0: Welcome back. In this episode, David interviews Patty, who came to know God when she was 60 years old, and she's now in her 90s. She tells how God transformed her from a woman who was in such despair at the loss of her parents that she was considering taking her own life, to becoming a new person with an amazing outlook on life. Patty talks about the love of her new family of God and being healed of emphysema and asthma. She also mentions a couple of people who we've interviewed before about their amazing stories and miracles, Sue Williams and Pastor Brian Allen. You can listen to their testimonies on your favourite podcast app too. Just a quick warning about the content. We obviously believe in the ability for God to heal all manner of physical, emotional and mental illnesses. However, if you need immediate help regarding suicide or mental health, please contact Beyond Blue support service via phone on 1300 22 46 36 or lifeline on 13 11 both of these services are available 24-7. To find our earlier episodes, visit our website, revivalontheairtoday.com, or find them on your favourite podcast app. Until our next episode, God bless. Okay, so welcome to the Revival on the Air Today
1: podcast. My name is David Haynes, and I have the pleasure to talk to a young lady who could only ever be described as smashing. <laughs> So we're in Adelaide, in southern Ad- Adelaide, and at a house that I used to come to a lot for house meetings and fellowship activities, and I'm would really, i really looking forward to the opportunity to chat to the very lovely Patty Phelps. So, Patty, welcome to the Revival On The Air Today podcast. Thank you. So I've been entertained by your stories for a very long time, and I think it's time that we share some of these stories with a few other people. Just a little bit about your life and about your upbringing, about how you came to know the Lord, and some things about what the Lord's done for you in your life. So maybe can I start maybe just by asking that accent of yours, that's not from around here, is it?
2: No, I'm from England.
1: Which part of England did you come from?
2: Well, I was actually born in Putney, which is, you know, a stone's throw from, um, you know, the city of London. I really am a Cockney. And um, an amazing thing was, you know, I went to school through the war. Um, I was nine years old and um, we had to do our schooling in an air raid shelter. And um, one week we went mornings, the other week we went afternoons. And we chanted our tables and we were so good at spelling. And the amazing thing is, after I came to the Lord, I went out for supper and um, there was a brother, um, a pastor actually, from Mount Gambier. And he said, oh, hello. He said, where are you from? So I said, I'm from England. I said, I used to live in Twickenham as a child. So he said, oh, did you? He said, so did I. You know, and I thought, well, brothers, pull your leg. I didn't really believe him. So I said, well, I went to the Powder Mill Lane School. He said, did you? So did I. And I sort of looked at him and my mind went right back to when I was 17 and I could see his family living across the road from us. she had His mother had three boys and I could see Pastor Brian as a little boy and he remembers us when our family packed up after the war and moved to Minehead, Somerset. It was really what a coincidence to have someone, you know, all those miles away and we both end up at the camp at Carrick and It was amazing.
1: This is Brian Allen.
2: Brian Allen, Pastor Brian Allen.
1: Tell me about your family. Who, who was in your family?
2: My mother, she was 24 when she had me, but she had something wrong with her kidneys. She had nephritis and that, so, you know, she was quite sick. And my dad, he was um, two years older than my mum, hardworking. He was born in Portsmouth, and um, they were married four years before they had me, and um, they were good. They brought me up with love, but they didn't stand any nonsense. You know, I had to behave myself, and... um It was, you know, it was just different. I personally think the world was nicer then in my childhood days than what it is now.
1: Despite going through the war? The war -war. brought the best
2: out in the English people. English people are very reserved. But when the war came on, we still called our neighbours Mr. and Mrs. Smith, that was their name. We never got on to Christian names, but we were there. If the shops got in food, because we were rationed with food, they would come back and say, oh, they've got oranges or they've got bananas or they've got something. In a sense, we'd all go up, you know, we helped each other. We had lots of things happen. I had the chance of going away to Canada because I was nine years old when the war started and um, they wanted to get all the children away because we were near Heathrow and big um, lots of things we were near, the big marshalling yard and that and the Germans were determined to destroy us, and um, I w- wanted to go. So I was given the form to go to Canada, and my mother explained it all to me, and I said, well, I'm not going. I'm not leaving you quite determined. And um, when I went to school they, with the form, they said to my mother, she's too young to make a decision. So my mother said, no, she chooses what she wants to do. And it was really, again, it must have been the Lord, because the ship that I was supposed to go on was bombed. It had the big red cross on it and it was bombed and a lot of people lost their lives. Wow. I mean, the Germans did terrible things, but I suspect the English people did terrible things as well. But, yeah, that was so it's like when I look back on my life now, I know that even though I wasn't interested in the Lord or I only thought you had a relationship with him when you died, that's when your relationship started, the Lord's had his hand on me all the time.
1: A lot of protection and protection. guiding your steps over the years.
2: Yeah. And when I was twelve, I was a very sickly child. And um and also the food didn't agree with me in the war. We had a really different sort of food. And um, I was in hospital for six weeks. And the specialists and doctors said to my parents, make the most of her because she won't make old bones. And I recently have been in hospital. And the specialist there said to me, I bet you wish you could go back and say, Hi, here I am, nearly 91. So praise the Lord.
1: 91, almost? Yes. Wow.
2: First of December. I don't know where this year's gone.
1: So how did you end up in Adelaide?
2: We didn't want to come to Adelaide.
1: No, why not?
2: No. We wanted to go to Perth, but they wouldn't have us. No, it's really really amazing, you know. We went up to... um, We'd had a terrible time. We'd had a big freeze up and everything wasn't going well in the, with, the, um, with the economy in England. And that We planned to come out to Australia for two years. We had our fare to go back and we was just going to make it a glorious holiday. Um, my grandparents had died. There was no one really close that we were leaving behind. So we went up, I went up to Australia House for an interview and immediately I was accepted because I was 40 and I could work, Um, So, and then my parents. And they said to me, look, we want you to go out to Australia and be the pioneer. You get yourself established, you'll get work really easy, and um, you send for your parents. So I said, no, we're like the three musketeers. We either all go together or else we don't go. So the chap that was interviewing me just shrugged his shoulders. And then later on in the interview, he said, well, you have to fly. So I said, no way are we going to fly to Australia, all those hours in the plane, because I hadn't done much flying. And so I said, we'll go by sea. And it came up to near December, and suddenly a family that were going to Australia decided they wouldn't go. They didn't want to leave their people for Christmas. So they phoned us up and wrote to us and said, we had, I think, three weeks notice. Would we like to go? Yes. Yes. And we went. Well, we came to Adelaide and of course it was the right place for us. It was just amazing.
1: I wanted to ask you about your conversion. How did you actually know about the Lord and about uh, the fellowship and about being baptised?
2: Well, my mother became very sick and um, she had a stroke and Dad, Dad and I looked after her at home with the help of the blue nurses, but it was really terrible. And I was in visiting her um, in the hospital. She was in the Queen Elizabeth Hospital um, for a while. And um, she was progressing quite well. She was learning to walk and she could talk. My mum and I were really close, really, really close. So it was really hard when we couldn't talk to each other. And I was in visiting her, her, talking to her when she had a massive stroke. And I was devastated. And I thought, well, this is it. I don't want to go on living, you know, without my mum but there was my dad to consider. My dad at the time was um, blind, going blind. And then when he lost mum, he really lost his eyesight. And then he was a real heavy smoker and he got some cancer of the oesophagus. And I was in in the hospital visiting him because they were planning what they could do. They could have put in a plastic oesophagus, which would have given him an extra five years to live. And um, he said, well, thank you very much for the interest you're taking in me, but I've lost my wife, I'm blind, and I am ready to die. And I thought, oh, Dad, you know, what about me, you know? I'll be alone in Australia, oh. And then they told him what would happen if he didn't have the operation, and they turned around to me and said, we feel really sorry for you, Paddy, for what you've got to face because... And I thought, my goodness. So I was determined that I was not going to live after my dad died. I thought, right, that's it. I will go to heaven where my parents are, and that's when I thought that your relationship with God and Jesus started when you were dead. I didn't realize you could have a relationship while you were on earth. And then I was looking after Dad, and um, I just collapsed. It was... um, Sunday and I just I couldn't stand it any longer it was terrible he was having chemotherapy and you know it was really horrible and he would suddenly vomit and my dad was a real old-fashioned person and you know he wouldn't let me help him you know he needed help get out he says you're my daughter he wouldn't let me see him in the shower it was a real struggle it was terrible and I went right down I lost a lot of weight and that And this morning, I just couldn't function. And the doctor came in. We had a lovely doctor that was looking after Deb, but he was also looking after me. And he said, look, you can't go on like this. I'm ringing up the agency, and I'm going to get them to send a nurse in. You've got to find $120 to pay the nurse after she's finished. Well, in those days, it wasn't easy to get money like that. I mean, it's all different now. So I had some money in the house, but I went and asked my neighbors. I was living in um, a strata title place and there was three other, they were lovely neighbours and they all lent me the money to pay to this nurse. This nurse came in, she was very nice. She came in at six o'clock at night and she was working till six o'clock the next morning. So she said, what would you like me to do? And I said, well, just, you know, look after my dad so that I can sleep. But I didn't sleep. That was a funny thing. I couldn't sleep because it was on my mind. We had a bedroom and they back to each other. So if dad wanted me he used to knock on the bedroom ball and then I would get up to see him not that he bothered me a lot but you know he did need help and he wouldn't take the stuff we had morphine and that to take but he wouldn't take it he was very brave he was really stubborn as well he was tough that was it and that's I suppose that's it when the going gets tough you the tough get going and um and I had all the medication for him in my um fridge and they wouldn't take it so I thought well I'm going to keep that I'm not going to get pour it down the drain. I'm going to take that when um, Dad goes. I'm not going to stay in the world. And um, February, a um, week before, it was the thing. I was invited to something to go to on February the twenty fourth Sunday. The nurse that looked after my Dad came knocking at my door, and she stood on the doorstep with another sister from the assembly, and they were smiling. They said, "Listen, I remember that you're from England." and we've got a special presentation at the Vogue Theatre tomorrow on the 24th of February. She said, it's all about the Queen. Now, I have always been for the Queen. I mean, I was brought up in her thing. We used to dress up dresses the same as the Queen. She was a role model, and I've always, and I still, at my age now, admire the Queen. I think she's done a fantastic job. Her kids have let her down, but she's done a fantastic job. And the Lord is really looking after her. Look how well she is, how she can carry out her duty. I thought, I can't get there. Oh, we'll come and pick you up. Oh, that's very nice. They were very pleasant. They were smiling, but they didn't say very much to me. I said, All right, I'll come. She said, All right, we'll pick you up. So I thought, rushed into the nursing home and said, Dad, you never guess what? I've been invited out to the Vogue Theatre. I'm going to the theatre. These ladies are going to come and pick me up. So my dad said, that's nice of me. And it was really ridiculous because I went out. I got my hair done. Crazy. I put all my best clothes on, jewellery, perfume, makeup. I was excited. I was going to the theatre. I hadn't been out. I hadn't done anything. And I sort of got lifted up. I, my misery sort of left me. I was really excited. And they turned out. They turned up late. I was getting a bit agitated. And they turned out, got in the car. And as we sat in the car and they were talking, and something came up about churches. So I said, oh, I hate these churches where you go and they're singing and clapping their hands. I can't stand it. I went out to the O.G. to please someone. Oh, I said, I couldn't stand it. They, went, they looked at each other and rolled their eyes and said, oh, my goodness. Went to the Vogue Theatre, and it was absolutely jam-packed. There were three seats saved in row eight. And there was people sitting on the um, stairs up in the balcony. It was when the Falklands War was on. And I went in there, and when I went in there and they opened the doors, people were sitting there singing and clapping their hands. And I never said a word. I was a very, very volatile person in the world. If I thought someone was, you know, leading me up the garden path, I certainly would have spoke up for myself. But um, I was just struck speechless, And as I went along the road, there was three seats saved and people were saying, hello, how lovely to see you. The next thing I sit down and I'm clapping my hands, which was amazing. I had a piece come over me. I wasn't the person sitting there that entered that theatre. I just completely changed. I don't know what happened to me. And that, and we um, sang choruses And they gave the presentation about the queen, which I can't remember. The next thing was a prayer line. I didn't question anything. And they said to me, come on, let's go out and have prayer with your dad, for your dad. So we went out and had prayer for my dad. I didn't say one word. I mean, I was, I'm blown away now when I think about it, how, you know, I was just speechless. And I went out to the prayer room. At the time I had osteoarthritis in my knees. I couldn't kneel and I sat down And Pastor Nigel Rick came up to me and he said, hello, I want you to say hallelujah. I didn't question it. And I said, hallelujah, ha. And I had the most awesome, awesome, awesome infilling of the Holy Spirit. I went from wanting to die to wanting to live. It was just, I was filled with this incredible peace and this love. And... It was such an awesome infilling. I really knew that something miraculous had happened to me. And we went out, and I had to queue up to get baptized, which went against the grain. I didn't like getting in other people's bathwater and that, and I had to queue up, and I had funny thoughts about it, and I got baptized, Pastor John baptized me. They couldn't find a swimsuit to fit me because I was so skinny. They tied me in the swimsuit and I put on one of these long gowns. I couldn't get into the tank and then I couldn't get out of the tank. But I got the Holy Spirit and I prayed in tongues. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And that moment I went from wanting to die to wanting to live. I came down the stairs and there was a crowd of saints waiting there and Maureen McNamara came up to me. And she said, Welcome into the family of God, precious. And she hugged me and hugged me. And all these years later, Maury McMara is still there giving me hugs. It was so just what I needed someone to give me a hug and say that they loved. I went in to see my dad on the Monday in the thing. And he said, I know something's happened to you. Your voice is so excited. I went to see my doctor who I never had to make an appointment to see. I just walk in and then I would be the next person to see because she knew I was looking out my like that. And I told her I'd always gone in crying and miserable, or woe is me on all this medication and everything like that. I said, I don't need to take my medication. She said, if you give up your medication, Paddy, I will wash my hands of you. You will end up in Glenside. This beautiful doctor that had been always for me and, you know, really lovely, just really turned against me. So I thought, right. I went home, I got the medication, I flushed it down the toilet and I never took another tablet again, which was really taking control of my um, mind.
1: And so, I Pad- get- Paddy, what, you, what date was this that you went to the Vogue Theatre? 24th of February, 1991. 1991. So I have a personal interest, I mean, how close were you to taking your own life?
2: Six weeks away.
1: Six weeks away.
2: Dad died six weeks later. Your your
1: dad passed and you were all ready to go, essentially.
2: I had, yeah, but I didn't, once I got the Holy Spirit six weeks before. Once you got the Holy Spirit. I didn't want want to. The, the, The people were there. The saints were there. I knew something. I, all the emptiness and all the horribleness inside me and, you know, it just was filled up. I didn't have any more holes and
1: the love so you, your father went to sleep and at the same time it was like you woke up and life yeah. really changed for you
2: yes life really changed
1: you spoke earlier about yeah you had a strong sense of family and, and a sense of community in England in the war how did your sense of family and community change for you at that time
2: well, I thought they'd be really excited, uh, especially my dad's sister. We were only fourteen years apart. I was a bridesmaid when she got married, and that you know I was a little girl then. And um, I found her out because she was really into church, really Anglican, and that. And she always used to say I was a rotten heathen, etc. So I found her out, and I said, "You never guess what happened to me!" Excited. So she said, "Look, it's um, if you go to America, where her daughter was living, they went to the Church of Christ." She said, I'll come there, and, you know, we'll catch up with each other. This was going to be six months after my dad died. So I went, and um, people in the church weren't happy. They thought, you know, Pastor Darrell said, go. He said, don't be surprised if your family don't want to know about it, but go. So I went, and he said, the Lord will not take you away from him. You'll be quite safe. So I went, and it was a real eye-opener. My aunt, who absolutely adored me and looked after me and had me for holidays, you know, um, because she had three children and they lived in the country, like, during the war and that, it was really amazing. Before my very eyes, she changed. She did not like it that I spoke in tongues and everything like that. So anyway, that was it. It just, it severed our relationship, so that was another person I lost in my life. But it didn't matter because... For everyone that went out, someone came in. I had all the saints. And even now at my age, you know, it's really amazing. I lose people in the assembly, you know, real deal friends. They pass away, go to sleep in the Lord. But the Lord's just, this year it's been amazing. You know, 90, I thought, wow, 90 years of age, I'll be put out to pasture. I won't be doing it. I tell you what, I don't know whether I'm coming or going. All these chances I've had, you know, I can't get out to talk to people, but the Lord's sending them in to me. I praise the Lord.
1: Tell me about some of the miracles and fantastic things that have happened since that time you came to know the Lord.
2: Wow, it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, I suppose really I've had so many miracles. I sit here and I think about it. Isn't it amazing? It's just recently it's been brought to my um, my mind about things. Um, my aged care decided that, you know, at my age they were going to come and assess me and see, you know, what they could do for me as I grew older. But because the coronavirus came, they, um, she couldn't come to the house. So um, she came to, on the phone. She was on the phone for an hour. It was really amazing because she started the interview by saying, you know, different things. She said, now then, how breathless do you get? Well, I said, I don't get breathless. Oh, but you've got emphysema. All on the doctor's report, I did have emphysema and I was on medication, but, you know, miraculously, I got healed. It never bothered me. I got emphysema through passive smoking. My dad smoked really heavily. And also, you know, when I worked in the Tramways Trust and things, you know, they all used to smoke. And the girl that I worked with, she smoked quite heavy. Anyway, I said, it didn't bother me. So she said, how often do you get an asthma attack? Oh, I said, I don't get an asthma attack. But she said, you had asthma. There was all the notes how long I had asthma. I did have asthma. I did have to have a puffer and take all the other things. But I got fed up with it. You know, it was spoiling my life. Couldn't breathe and that. I thought, that's not good enough. And I got healed. I mean, it's just amazing. When you think about it, I got healed from that. And then they said about my eyes, she said, now, how are your eyes? I said, oh, they're all right. She said, well, how often, how often do you put drops in? I said, oh, I don't put drops in. I said, um, I had coma, but I said, I don't put drops in. I don't, you know, I said, I've had um, five holes burnt around my iris to ease the pressure, and, that, and I go and see, you know. but well, I've given up going to see him now. I said, you know, I can see, I can read without glasses. I don't need to do anything. She said, it's me. I said, look, Elaine. It's no use me sort of just talking to you, is it? I said, there's a special reason for this. I've had a special relationship with God. You know, I've got his Holy Spirit and that, and he really looks after me. She said, I know where you're coming from, and that that was it. And she really wrote a really good report. She's trying to get help for me, but, you know, I don't really want help. I want to live independently. I mean, it's lovely to have someone come in and do your housework and things like that and change the bed, but, you know, I want to stay here and be independent. So yeah.
1: So now, Patty, you're ninety, about to be ninety one. What keeps you going? I mean, you're you're one of these people where if I'm having a bad day and I see you across the room smiling, laughing, can't say hello to you, suddenly I'm not having a bad day anymore because I've seen Patty. What keeps you going? What is it that keeps that joy going and that spark in your eye?
2: But it's other people in my life. My um, person that keeps me going is Susan Williams. How is that? Because she's the longest surviving patient on um, dialysis and I've been really lucky to have her in my life. Roger and Sue are very special people in my life. I really loved Roger. You know, he was fantastic. He used to cook meals and such a happy person. And when I used to feel saying, oh, woe is me, this has happened, I am sick of it, this is happening to me, I think of Sue Williams. Amazing. And I've been to all her celebrations and she's outstanding and it doesn't matter. She's really sick now. Her fingers are all stiff with arthritis. She can't move. She's helpless. She has to have people in to shower or look after her. She can't do anything, but she's still got that joy. So, you know, I count my blessing. I was not good this morning. I got up this morning and my heart was playing up and it shouldn't be playing up, but it was. And I was fed up. And praise the Lord, Heather came in and we had prayer and, you know, praise the Lord. The Lord made me smile again.
1: Tell me about the fellowship and the family of God.
2: The fellowship is the thing. I was really lucky. I got um, healed from travel sickness and praise the Lord. I had Pastor Daryl there and I used to say, I want to go away and help other assemblies, Pastor Daryl. I was in the door knocking team in Adelaide. Lovely time I had. Exciting. They were in the days when you could door knock people and invite them to the coffee morning. Had exciting things happen. We had lovely fellowship afterwards. And um, so I decided to go away. I went to Maryborough. I went to Bundaberg and um, other places. I went to the conventions. And just it, it became my life. I really loved it.
1: Patty, can I ask you one question going back a little bit? Before your dad passed, you were telling us a story and you said that at the time you believed that your relationship your relationship with God started after you died.
2: I thought he went to heaven.
1: Looking back now, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Oh, I would have been missed out, wouldn't I? I mean, it, it isn't. See, uh, I mean, only thing I ever got to top of the class in at school was for scripture. We used to have scripture and I loved it. I really loved it, hearing about Joseph and his coat of many colours and all the things. I used to be really into it. And when I went home with my um, report, I got a prize for being top of the class in scripture and religious instruction. I went home all proud of that. And my mum said to me, fat lot of good, that's going to do you in the world. Why couldn't you be top of English or math? That was me. I loved it. I loved going to the Salvation Army. I just loved it. I went to Sunday school without my parents. I just loved it. But then, you know, when we moved to Minehead, I did go to the little country church, but it was absolutely, it was just a field of gossip. It was really dreadful. And then my dad became, because he was really our landlord to start off with, the vicar. And, um, Harry went on in church, you know, fire and thunder, and what will happen to? You. And Harry went on with my dad, who my dad was an atheist, and that it just I just went off of it. I went off of all sort of religion. That was it. But I could see when I went to the Vogue, the sincerity and the genuineness of the people.
1: Tell me about your relationship with God now.
2: Well, my relationship with God, I think, is good. I won't say it's perfect. Um, I can't do things now like I used to. But I always have prayer every day. I turn my phone off. I don't want to get interfered. And I just take that. I have a massage chair, which I bought out of the compensation I got when I got hit by the the forward drive. go into my bedroom, I shut the door, and I spend 30 minutes with the Lord. And um, it's just there. And I talk. As I'm talking to you now, because I live alone, I talk to the Lord. I speak to him out loud. And I get my times when I've had enough and I can't stand things, but, you know, that's it. The Lord is coming back for overcomers. And when the going gets tough, the tough have to get going. I had a moment this morning, actually. I felt really grotty. I felt ill. I felt fell up. Heather came here early and we had prayer and praised the Lord. I'm all right now. And my heart settled down.
1: But what is it that keeps you going?
2: The Holy Spirit. I'm 100% sure about that. And the first chorus I learned was living for Jesus. They're bringing me home from camp. And I didn't know any of the chorus, and that's the one that I learned, living for Jesus. That's still my favorite, because it is the best life of all. There's nothing other than that. If you haven't got God in your life, you've had it.
1: I've got a feeling that the Lord was watching you for 60 years, keeping his hand upon you, opening doors, closing other doors. You didn't go to Canada. You didn't do a lot of things. You didn't go to Perth. You ended up in Adelaide.
2: Yeah. And he's still doing things for me now.
0: Isn't she great? Thanks for sharing your story, Patty, And thanks to David being our guest interviewer. If you want God in your life to heal you, to comfort you, to change you, then send us an email, podcast at revivalontheairtoday.com. Until next time, God bless.